I always tell my students, we're all in sales. Well, wait a minute, I'm an accountant. I said, no, 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 you're in sales. I'm in sales every day. I'm selling ideas in the classroom. You go in an interview, you're selling yourself. We're all in sales, and there's a skill that we should and need to develop. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Where Accountants Go, the Accounting Careers Podcast. I'm Mark Goldman, CPA, and your host for this podcast. Well, today we have a unique guest for you, Scott Dell, or actually Dr. Scott Dell from Francis Marion University in South Carolina. Dr. Dell and I connected on LinkedIn due to another post about another podcast we had. And when I researched him a little further, it was apparent that... Scott is not your typical professor. Not that there would be anything wrong with that, of course, but Dr. Dell not only has the initial accounting background we look for, but he's also owned several businesses himself, and they were rather unique businesses for an accountant or for an educator, for that matter. He's been in the IT training business, he's been in the electronics business, and he even owned a cheesecake restaurant. He really has a phenomenal story. This was fun to record. However, he definitely does have a passion for teaching, and I saw that as a little bit of a theme throughout many of his endeavors, actually, including, of course, his many, many years of instructing at the college level. He truly is passionate about helping students, and you're going to hear that come through in this interview. Dr. Dell or Scott really has a wealth of experience. I will say that we had a little technical difficulty on this one, and the sound quality is definitely not what I prefer. However, it just wasn't an interview that I wanted to disregard or try to do over because there's just too much gold in this interview, too much value in this interview to try to recreate it. It really was a good discussion. If you do enjoy and learn something from this episode, please share it out on social media. We love it when we gain new listeners, of course. And since we're coming up on the new college semester here shortly, and we likely will see more and more virtual meetings than we used to, at least for a while, if there's anything I can do for you in your accounting clubs or other accounting-related associations, please let me know. I'm happy to be a guest speaker speaker on career issues. If you need one, just shoot me an email or message me through LinkedIn and we can arrange something. I am more than happy to help. Well, with that, I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. Here's Dr. Scott Dell from Francis Marion University in South Carolina. Well, hello, Scott. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Mark. Excited to be here. Wonderful. Well, this should be fun. Well, for the audience, we find our guests in a variety of ways, and this week, Scott Dell in South Carolina is joining us. I was posting some information about another episode recently that's caught Scott's attention. We exchanged a few messages back and forth, and then I realized what a diverse background Scott himself has, so I just had to ask him on the program. This conversation is going to include some typical, highly responsible accounting roles, but we also are going to get into education, general business management, probably some career advice, and many other things that I myself don't even realize yet. This is going to be a fun interview for everybody. Well, Scott, I I know you really do have a diverse background, so much so that we probably won't even be able to touch on everything, but it'll be fun. It's important the audience understands how you got to where you are today, though. So 
Let's start at the beginning. What led you to consider accounting as a possible career choice in the first place? Well, I always had a fascination and an enjoyment for business. I used to shovel snow up outside of Boston, and I used to mow lawns, and I knew I wanted to get into business. The direction I headed after high school, though, was kind of unique in that I went to the Naval Academy. And I say, well, how do you study business at the Naval Academy? And I knew that business had multiple facets that you had to think about. So there was management, marketing, accounting and finance, legal operations, and all of those are crucial to success. So when I realized I wanted to go on my own business, I said, well, if I went to the Naval Academy, I did study engineering, first two years, electrical engineering, and I decided I knew I didn't want to be an engineer, but I thought the mind discipline was solid and the background would be good. After two years at the Naval Academy, I realized a naval career was not in the cars, not my ultimate goal. But I was there because I knew I could be a manager of people. I wouldn't have to be an engineer, and then I can go down the business track. After leaving Annapolis, I went to, took a year in Israel, where I took my first accounting course, actually, from a Rolex Fishbone from a CPA that had immigrated to Israel. And 60% inflation, 70% inflation. It was a unique environment, but I did enjoy the class. I knew accounting was a direction that I felt comfortable in. So when I returned back to Boston, I had been my last two years at Boston University and finished up an undergraduate degree in accounting. At that point in time, I did go to work for the big four. I had other experiences while in school. I actually managed an H&R block office and realized that taxes weren't my thing. <laughs> and it, it actually helps me now when I advise students, when I advise people about directions and careers. The internship is so powerful. You know, for half the people get their jobs from their internships these days. And having an internship, almost more important to find out what you don't like as what you do. So as I say, taxes, I felt more like law, and that was not my area that I really wanted to help business and grow business. So I went to work for the Big Eight, now, now known as the Big Four, as an auditor, and had some wonderful exposure, different industries, different types of folks, and the environment was real positive. It had go-getters, it had people that were on the ball, and it was a real nice place to participate and to learn. My ultimate goal really was to get into consulting, and consulting was where that was the business aspect, so I wanted to help others, and I continue now to want to help others, and so I had to go back really for my MBA. So I went back to I went to Wharton in Philadelphia, uh, did my two-year MBA, and came out and worked as a consultant for a second-tier firm. My first was Arthur Young, now EY, and the firm I went to work for is was Grant Thornton, and Alexander Grant at the time. So I'm aging myself as I tell you this story, but I'm <laughs> feeling young just the same. But it's really an enjoyable experience to be part in business, being able to do consulting, having the variety. After Grant Thornton, I actually spun out on my own, started my own consulting practice, and my specialty is accounting systems and office automation systems. I was still a computer geek from way back when, and computers were always fascinated. I was one, two, three, and work perfect groups for those that might remember that, but also, yeah, got pretty proficient with Excel and Word and the tools of the trade. While at Grant Thornton, I was doing teaching. I actually developed a system to teach the state things like Lotus 1-2-3 in Excel to teach courses in other software-type applications. So the evolution and actually education been tied. I guess teach photography when I was in high school. Not too long ago, I was teaching motorcycle safety for Harley-Davidson based in Wisconsin, and I, I actually re-upped my certification when I moved to South Carolina this past year. So that was like teaching, and one of the big aspects of teaching is how much I learn when I teach. And that's an environment you, know, you give and you get. And it's a two-way street, but I'm glad I'm able to share lots of information. I also started adjunct teaching 
or college level uh, just after Grant Thornton. When I went on to my own, looking for additional cash flow and also get some more experience. So I started teaching for a college called Cardinal Stretch, and I ended up teaching adjunct for 20 years with them. And during the 20 years, they did a whole bunch of other stuff. We had a restaurant called Cheesecake, et cetera, up in Door County for five years. I was, I was a taste tester. That was my official title. My wife was the brain of the operation. Uh, I was kind of the front man. Some other things that I did, we had a couple of companies. Uh, the largest grew to three locations and almost 100 employees called New Horizons Computer Learning Center. We were part of their first year of franchising, so I got exposed to franchise operations. As far as continuing and up selling that, we built a 22,000-square-foot building, which was then purchased by Edward College, ultimately, which is also in Madison, Wisconsin, and learned a lot about people and business. I think it was like 10 years that I had that particular business. And it's been exciting to be part of a variety of types of businesses and operations. I mean, I sold cars, I sold vacuum cleaners. And frankly, in my earlier days, I was pretty introverted. But getting into the classroom, getting into the public eye, owning companies, uh, you're almost forced to communicate. And those are aspects that helped me develop and, again, helped me share my learning and skills and knowledge, uh, ultimately with students. I ended up picking up another business that we sold Dish Network and DirecTV. And I kind of fell into that when I just sold another different business. And someone knocked on my door saying, hey, you want to buy a dish? And I said, uh, maybe. And I got to talking, found out there were a company from Chicago that was coming up to Madison, Wisconsin to sell. I said, so do you have any local talent? Go, Not really, but they had teams that were going out and doing the selling. So I got involved with that. I ended up taking over the I established my own company to do the same thing, and we did had to do our sales teams. It was a, it was an opportunity to and be outdoors and share discounts, share opportunities, and give folks. I had a bunch of folks that were installing as well as selling, and it was a fun business. And all business is fun, by the way. That's that's an attitude I've always had and taken still do. Additionally, on the education side, I was recruited or adjunct teaching. I told you I had my Cardinal Street experience. It's a small college in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, about an hour from Madison. And I had applied to teach a course as an adjunct with them. And they said, yep, we'll get back to you in the summer. They were excited. They liked my experience. I did have the CPA. I did have the MBA. And they said, yeah, let's, 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 let's pursue it. I never got a call in August, nothing in September. No big deal. I had plenty going on. October, I get a call from the dean saying, Scott, we applied to teach a class. Would you consider coming on half-time as an accounting program director? I said, accounting program director? Tell me more. And he said, yeah, well, the person, the accounting program coordinator that had been in the position before went over to UW. That's why he didn't get a call back. But we're going through accreditation, and we need somebody with some credentials and some background, both in education and in business, and the CPA helps. Could you come on board? for a half-time slot. And I said, uh, yeah, we can do that. So I was there half-time, and six months later, they said, can you come on board full-time? And I said, no, not really. It's a long commute, and I got some things happening. No, 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 Scott, please, could you come on board full-time? I said, no, no, not, not right now. Probably not ideal time. And I said, Scott, we'd, we'd really like to have you full-time. And it's a small private Catholic school. Well, you know the rule in sales. Three no's, go for the yes. And okay, the fourth time's a charm. So I did say yes. I anticipated being there maybe a year and a half, two years full-time. I didn't even negotiate salary was uh, what they were offering because I wasn't anticipating uh, staying that long. And 13 years later, I was still the accounting program director. And I enjoyed the service I was able to provide and the students I was able to, to hopefully inspire. 
I even won an education award in 2018. Wisconsin CPAs gave me the Educator of the Year Award based on student nominations, which I thought was kind of cool. I was honored and humbled to get that, but excited to be able to get some recognition as my peers I enjoy working with and the activities that I do. I'm very student-focused, and in that time, I went back for a second master's degree in education, education technology, actually. I found myself losing the grip on computers, and I wanted to keep my fingers in technology, so I got a second master's in ed tech. And then I'd always in the back of my mind considered the doctorate and said, you know, would it be interesting? It'd be fun. And when I went to an American Accounting Association, the other AAA, by the way, conference, I was asking about doctoral programs, and there were a whole bunch out there. And if the advice I got was interesting, I said, yeah, are there any part-time programs, online programs, programs that I could be working and still go to school? And all they said was, Scott, you want AACSB school. Now, I don't know how many know about AACSB, but the major schools belong to the Association of Collegiate Schools of Business. And those are the schools that have usually heavier research, but also the more intense programs and business and so when I left that conference in San Diego, I said, okay, let me find an AACSB program that's part-time or online or weekend degree or something that would let me work full-time and not force me to go back for a PhD. And I couldn't find anything. And that was two or three years on the job when I decided I was committing to education. And over the years, I said, okay, let me keep my eyes open. And then I found out about this program at University of Wisconsin at Whitewater. It's a DBA, Doctorate in Business Administration. They require a minimum of a master's in business experience. So the cohort mates that I would join with have a base of knowledge and are looking to get the doctoral degree. And it is a full dissertation. It's an AACSB institution. It's actually the largest business school state of Wisconsin at UW, University of Wisconsin-Whitewater, just outside Madison, about 40 minutes. So it was a one-week-in-a-month, three-day weekend for two years straight through summers as well. And I finished that last year, a uh, year and a half ago, actually, and about three weeks ago, I was participating. Two of my classmates and myself were speaking to a previous class about dissertating and job hunting. And it's always fun to give back and participate. And by the way, out of that came, I'm, I've got another business partner that I think is happening. I just spoke to her this morning, and we've spoken over the past. We have weekly calls. We've got another business endeavor that we're exploring and looking to work together on the career side and on helping people, especially with the 40-plus million out of work and many not returning their jobs. We have some resources between that and can help and help make a difference. So it's interesting how opportunities evolve when you get involved in volunteer stuff or other activities. So I finished a degree, and at the time, frankly, the school I'm at right now was not even on my radar. I went to another AAA conference, this one's in D.C. about two years ago, and I set up the interviews. I wasn't really planning on leaving the school I was at, but I was putting feelers out saying, if I did leave, all right, where would I go? So there were five or six schools I ended up sitting interviews with. And the school I'm at now, Francis Mary University, here in Florence, South Carolina, by the way, it's an hour from Little Beach and an hour from Columbia and a couple hours from Hilton Head. So if you're in the area, don't hesitate to stop on by. It's uh, <laughs> close to the Atlantic. And I talked to them one of those receptions the night before the conference. They had a reception for folks that were job hunting and they had their 10-foot tables. Got to talking to them. I had a real good feel. So I did my interviews, talked to them, a couple of offers, and actually even some for more money. But this place had a nice feel to it, and the environment was real positive. The people were very much enjoyed. So this is a choice I made, and I started this last fall as a new tenure-track position here at Francis Marion. In the meantime, some other things happened. While I was here, two weeks on the job, students approached me and said, Dr. Scott, would you consider helping us form our accounting club? And saying, students? 
initiating a club? Where do I sign? It's pretty cool. And sure enough, we got that going. But they were, the year before, they had been trying to form it, but they couldn't find some support, and they were trying to find the right folks. One of the students was in my class, and he sensed that I had a, an enjoyment of helping students help along. We ended up having the largest turnout for any new club membership. We had 57 students turn out, and we had about 65, 70 accounting majors total. But they turned out we had a keynote by the CEO of the South Carolina Association of CPAs. We did Chick-fil-A, and we had a no pizza policy. But we also have attraction of activities that students want and need. Our next meeting, as an example, we had a panel of six from the community. These are outside folks, like four were alums. The cool part is five of them were recruited by students, and one of them was recruited by me. I had a friend at Otis Elevator who knew somebody, and the other five were the local talent that were plugged into the CPA firm, the business community, and they sought them, got them, and some, some great programming. The success of our accounting club was actually well-received. We had now approached by the finance faculty and say, uh, you know what, that seems to be going well, can we piggyback? We don't have as many finance majors, but that would be a nice thing to have for finance and accounting. So we're now the AFC, or those three-letter acronyms, so the Accounting and Finance Club came together. As wow. far as the academic side, we're having a good time. And I had 11 people go to Charlotte for an IMA leadership conference, and that was a highlight. I got feedback from the dean saying, some of our students, two that were graduating, said that was a highlight of their educational career, being able to attend the conference, participate, learn, and mix with professionals. When I got here, so we, we got a, actually a grant from the school. The school has been very generous, and they sponsored the 11 students going. In full, we were able to get a, it's called a P grant, and it worked out very well. And they are continuing to learn and grow, and our students are enjoying it, and we enjoy what we do. So that's wow. how I got to where I am at now. Now, some other things, I just published a book a week ago, I joined another startup, and I'm teaching a summer class. Wow. <laughs> you know, it, gosh, there's a lot to touch on here. How many businesses have you owned? Because I counted at least two, and I know you got the startup now, so there's three, but I know I miss. how many businesses have you owned? I officially owned, I've incorporated about four. I've been involved in a couple of others, and... We are. We actually just set up a website for that I told you about. That UWW person that contacted me. We just set up a website together that's online with uh, for career building stuff. And we're going to be brainstorming how to best serve the market and take care of that. So it's uh, we're moving forward. I, I love doing this stuff because I also can bring it back to the classroom, real world examples. And this is stuff that a lot of folks should get exposure to. And I'm not your traditional academic, and that's understood. And I still do the scholarly stuff. I still do the service stuff. But the school and the teaching is key. And those are all things that make a difference in the future of the profession and the future of the world at large. Not to be too grandiose. (laughs) Well, I think one of the things that is overlooked when people are considering accounting is the major is the the just general business understanding and the good background you get for general business from being an accounting major and understanding it's not it's not all tax and bookkeeping you know and I think your story highlights that that's why I was curious because you had the IT training company you had was it cheesecake manufacturing it was a restaurant we had the best cheesecake in the world was a customer quote and people it's a restaurant and it was an eatery it was a bakery it was lunch and dinner. But it was an environment that uh, was, was in a resort town, so it was 
ideally fit for the summer because it's in Door County right on the coast. And being able to do something like that, okay, and my wife was a branch, her dad was a baker in New York City, her dad's dad a bakery, baker in the Dominican Republic, her dad's dad's dad had a patisserie in France. So she, she had the roots, it was in her genes, I think. But it gave us something that we could could have fun together with. And it was an interesting business. It was a fun business to be part of. And again, you're right. An accountant gets exposed to different industries, different businesses. Even when I started out in audit, went from manufacturing to high tech to wholesale retail distribution to service and covered a variety of businesses and industries with exposure. And as you know, the accounting profession is evolving and changing. A lot of tax work is being done overseas. A lot of the other basic bookkeeping accounting is being taken over by technology and artificial intelligence. And what can we do as accountants? Well, I served on the board of Financial Executive International, FEI. I was a career services chair in, in Wisconsin. And I would run an annual conference. And we cover recent topics and what I really loved is I could bring my students to meet CFOs and VPs of finance at these monthly meetings and these keynotes that were pretty amazing. We had the CFO of the Packers and the Bucks, Milwaukee Bucks. We had CEOs of companies from insurance companies to service. We had nonprofit executive directors come. And they could mingle, and they have a great meal. They'd have an open bar at the age. And they also got to get exposure and ultimately internships, networking, contacts, and I'll tell you, those soft skills that are so hard to get, those are a key. And if anybody's listening, those are things that I encourage and urge opportunities for. We started a Toastmaster chapter at my last school for that very reason. And it was a community chapter with the third students, two-thirds community, but the students could join for free. Actually, $5 more some skin in the game, but the community sponsored the rest. And those skills, I had students come back and thank me for the opportunity, but also the skills they gained in public speaking, communication, and networking with the community. So anything to get involved is really powerful. You sent me a video as well that was something along the lines of interview advice, basically. Is it, do you have a series of those, or is that something you had just recorded for a specific purpose? Or? Well, the startup I just got involved with, a friend of mine out of Chicago, I mentioned the uh, founder of Silicon Learning Centers, and a friend of mine from Chicago who's affiliated with the company, I was the last part to be brought in. And they are, they not only have a package that's the arc of the introduction, making first impression, the killer first impression. They have a program that's amazing, and it's a 16 module, but it you walk away being able to impress and to be remembered. So part of that, when they called me and they said, well, we got this offering, it's pretty cool. And I said, yeah, it's very cool. What else have we given away with it? And they said, not much yet. And so we said, okay, I think a few other things, I'm not the sole responsibility of this, but I was a fresh set of eyes. And I said, you know, if we come up with a killer package, almost like it'd be silly not to say yes to get this thing. What can we offer? So the majority owner, he actually drafted a couple of these videos. We're including some white papers on getting a job here with COVID. I have LinkedIn input because I'm a LinkedIn guru that uh, has a lot of ideas. And that's what the book that I published was about and success with LinkedIn. And to get you hired is the bottom line. So these are all kinds of additions and tools that we're still finalizing. And in the next seven to 10 days, we should have a final offer and go live and make it. I mean, it's been available on the website as a course itself. And we've sold some. But it's now going to affiliates. It's now going to a broader network. And 
including my network, because I've got some folks that are really interested in having this as one of in their bag of tricks. And I think it's an amazing course. Because as I started saying before about soft skills, a lot of our students coming out, and even professionals that are now displaced or furloughed and not going to be returning to their previous jobs, need to have some skills and communication abilities that accent what their background is and how it's going to serve in what they do at a new employer. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I thought that was good material. And so I was, Thank I was you. curious. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. I I was very impressed and yeah. <laughs> Actually, it reminded me of one of our former guests that's doing something, well, some similar videos, but along the lines of technical accounting, helping people prepare for exams. And so I wasn't sure if that's what you were doing or how that fit into everything. So that makes sense. Yeah, it's I mean, I've spoken to career service offices at universities, mostly presenting on LinkedIn, but then presenting the other skills, not only resumes, not only interviewing, but things like MOOCs and massive open online courses, that you can actually put a Stanford or Wharton on your resume by taking the course online for a week or two, you know, two hours to 12 hours, and now you're, you've got a Wharton that you can post on your resume. University of London, Harvard, you can put these things by taking these, basically the free or up to $79 and $99 courses. You get a badge, you get a certificate, and you're able to get some good skills out of it but it's a great conversation piece. I've, I've interviewed thousands of resumes, thousands, and you're always looking for something that's unique about the candidate. And when you see something like that saying, oh, you, you studied abroad, what, what, what did you do? Or really, you took a course at Harvard? What were you doing in Cambridge, Massachusetts? And then you start saying, well, this is outside Cambridge. This is actually, I was able to do this from my home, and it helped me in my career understanding strategy or understanding physics or understanding how to make beer. Those are all MOOCs that one can have. But those are things that show you take additional initiative beyond the classroom, beyond your standard load of classes, and you have an ability and an interest in personal and professional development. And with your career experiences, I'm sure you might concur. Yes, that's interesting. I had never looked at it that way. Do you have a website yet for the new business, or is it too preliminary to discuss that? Um, actually, this weekend, we set it up. So we do have a website, and it's not active yet. It's still saying under construction. But if okay. you go to www.mycareeropportunity.com, that's the one website. Also, the startup I'm with, if you go to www.introedge, the course is called IntroEdge. to give you an edge, introedge.com, and that will give you information on the ability. And you're welcome to contact me directly, Dr. Scott Dell on LinkedIn. That's probably the easiest way to find me. And I'm happy to connect as well as share. And if anybody has questions, I'm easily accessible. Wonderful. Thank you. So tell us about your new book as well. <laughs> ah, well, thank you for asking. The actual book is called Your Complete Guide to Succeeding with LinkedIn, the ultimate checklist of 85 steps, tips to follow for establishing presence, being noticed, and successfully hired. As part of this book number one in the To My Success series, it was published officially a week ago, a week and a half ago, and there's a paperback as well as online, $2.99 or $14.77, it comes over with paperback edition. It's kind of exciting. I've never published a book before. But um, this guide, about 55 pages, it's really step-by-step. There are 85 steps. Cover the first 12 or 15. If you're new to LinkedIn, you continue onward and upward. It's on Amazon if anybody wants to look. But it's just a, a cool, if I might say so myself, introduction and get you some advanced stages. You will walk away in the top 5% of LinkedIn profiles if you complete the activities that the book suggests as you go. 
but it, build, it builds your background, it builds your presence, and it's something, like I say, I've been teaching LinkedIn for a long time, and I've, been, I've got lots of connections on LinkedIn, but I think the book has been, I've shared it pre-release with a number of folks that have really said, I've never seen anything like this, and this complete. And I've bought other books and read other books on this too, and I've been to LinkedIn sessions. I used to do a session for that financial executive national called How to Lie, uh, L-I LinkedIn, of course, not <laughs> violating any violations here, but it was a way to give people ideas of what they can do with this powerful tool, and it is an amazingly powerful tool. Interesting. So you've done so many things, and, and a lot of it has teaching, you know, going, that's a sort of a, a constant theme, I think, through a lot of it. You know, what do the next few years look like for you if your life and your career goes exactly as you'd like? I mean, what do the next two, three, five years look like? What's the ideal plan? <laughs> uh, I love and hate that question. When I actually preface the same question to my students, and I will say, I'm not sure what I want to be when I grow up, but I need to ask you this question. So where do you see yourself in five years, 10 years? What do you think you might like to pursue? And I'm on a tenure track position where I'm at right now. So it's my first year. I've got five more years basically to get to tenure. And I really enjoy the college environment and the students and the participation. I also do enjoy the summers off, or relatively, I'm still teaching the summer of five-week course, developing a business and doing other things. But it gives me a lot of flexibility that I can do things that I think I am good at and share, and then bring it back to the classroom. So I see myself staying in academia where I'm at reasonably comfortably, but I also see the entrepreneurial endeavors growing and hopefully inspiring others to succeed. So as I said, my success series, book one, has been published. My success series, I have a a number of other books that I intend to hopefully draft in the not-too-distant future. And it actually took me a weekend. It took me a Sunday to write the book and a Monday and Tuesday to edit it completely and then get feedback over the next two weeks and some other edits and additions and probably add another 10 pages at the time. But I think those are reasonably quick if you know you know the topic and you're passionate about it. And those are things I always tell my students we're all in sales. Well, wait a minute, I'm an accountant. I said, no, 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 you're in sales. I'm in sales every day. I'm selling ideas in the classroom. You go in an interview, you're selling yourself. We're all in sales, and those are skills that we should and need to develop because we're going to sell our bosses or our subordinates why we should lead them or these are ideas I have to go forward. And so from that perspective, we need to develop those skills and abilities to be aware and sensitive to that. Yes. Well, I end every podcast with the same three questions, and we probably better get to those. There's one thing I just have to ask about, you know, just from the one of the pictures I saw on LinkedIn, and you mentioned you have been a motorcycle safety course teacher. Are you like an avid Harley rider or someone that are you getting out every weekend? I am so ignorant about motorcycles, but... <laughs> okay, well... I confess, I did take my five-year-old in the back of a Harley from Madison, Wisconsin to Washington, D.C. on an ultra classic. I am now owner of a Triumph Trophy. And frankly, when I went back to my doctorate, I was looking at another bike and saying, okay, do I get another Harley or do I go for the doctorate? Okay, the doctorate one, I'm glad it did. But then I said, well, the Harley's probably out of the budget and I wouldn't have time to ride it anyways during the doctorate. So I was looking around at bikes and ended up with a used Triumph Trophy, which is a highway, I'm a highway guy, a highway bike and I can travel. Now, with COVID, and my wife has, one of the reasons we did move to South Carolina is for family health reasons. And that was, like I said, I was glad when I was interviewing, 
that I said, okay, then we determined that we didn't need to move out of the snow, get us down here. And I said, oh, an extended riding season. I'm not going to fight that. And yes, I ride when I can, but with COVID, yes, the riding has been very much, yeah, we've been homebound and uh, curtailed riding activities. Unfortunately, greatly, but that will come back. And yes, I do like to ride. And they do have in Myrtle Beach, an hour away from here, they have a bike bike week uh, twice a year. So haven't yet made, to, made it through there, and it's going to obviously be changing with what's going on. I have a nephew in Atlanta who said he's going to come up with me and we'll share some time there. <laughs> I just had to ask. I appreciate that. The motorcycle safety is a weekend warrior kind of thing. And when I got to South Carolina, I went ahead and although my certificate had lapsed, I retrained last fall and I'm going to be training again at a local holiday Harley dealer here in Florence, South Carolina. So I'm excited to be able to still share the wealth and share the excitement. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, I do end every show with the same three questions, so we probably better get to those. This has been fun. From a career perspective, what's been your proudest moment? I have to say it is multiple moments with students. That's been the inspiration. I've had two students go to med school. I've had multiples get careers, get jobs, get opportunities, and build confidence and succeed. So that's kind of been the success. It's like, it's like your children, if I have five kids do, and I love my kids, but I think the excitement from the career perspective is being able to help others and hopefully make a difference. Spoken like a true educator, for sure. <laughs> Education is inspirational, and then we we all go through it, and it's lifelong learning. We're we're not stopping. Yes. Well, second question, I'm curious about this, too, because, I mean, you've had so many different experiences. Tell us about a lesson that you've learned the hard way, and the more you can tell us about the situation, the better, because that's how we all learn. Okay. Well, you learn more from your failures than your successes, and I've had good times, and not so good times. And in one of my businesses, I had a commitment from the bank. I had a payroll. We had almost 100 employees. And we were having some challenges we were going through. And we had multiple locations. And the bank committed to saying, yep, we will back up the payroll. And then the bank said, changed our mind. So we went, we extended our payroll, which was twice a month. And we had to extend it about almost two weeks, about 12 to 14 days of and not running a payroll, which was a scary time. And we were good for it. We had the opportunity to get the funds we needed, and they were they were coming, but it wasn't there for us. And those, I guess that's the joy of ownership. You get to worry about these things. I was driving between offices. I had a phone in my ear, and actually I had two, I had two cell phones, one in each ear, and you can only imagine how uh, driving that would, would be fun and hearing that news from the bank. So... Manager from one of my officers, we, I mean, management team, we got together right away and said, here's what's going on. They said, well, I'll, I'll tell our office. They said, well, I need to be there. I will let them know. This is my job to communicate that kind of negative news. And so at each of the offices, I was the point person, and I left, I shared. I said, we're going to back you up. If you bump into any issues, if there's behind on rent or due or other things that come up, we'll support you and we'll help you any way we can. But this is, this is a hiccup. And this has happened, and we will make it up. Well, we, we did make it up. We did succeed. But it was the support. We didn't uh, bury our head in the sand. It was something that we went out. I actually I went peddling for money and uh, came up. And as it turned out, it, wasn't, it was less than two weeks that we were able to fund our payrolls and be comfortable. It wasn't the next five to six months before we fully recovered. I, had to, I was able to pay back the funds that we had to borrow, that we had to seek out to get 
But the you know, lesson learned, all right, you can't always count on the banks. You do need the rainy day fund. You need to manage your finances. And it's just like an individual as well as a business. You can't always count on things. And then the good nature of others, you have to plan for things and be able to set up the reserve with that. Hmm. Yeah, people hear business owner sometimes and think that, oh, you know, you must be wealthy and gosh, aren't you lucky. But <laughs> easy street. Yeah, yeah. really. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's easy. Basically, owning a business is like two and a half full-time jobs. You're working 80 to 100 hours a week, typically, instead of 35 to 40 hours. And you're, you're getting things done, and you're making a living for a lot of people. And hopefully, you're, you're rewarding yourself as well. Yes. Yeah, that's well said. Well said. Well, last question, and then we'll go ahead and close it down. What is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? Best piece of advice. I was always a believer in you know, the do unto others, golden rule. Do unto others is do unto you. But I went one step further. When someone told me, you really need to walk in somebody else's shoes. You really understand to really sense where they're at, to feel where they are. And I internalized that because I've, I've traveled a lot. I've been on four continents. I still have a couple to go. I love international travel. I love domestic travel. I love meeting people. And I find that we're all really the same inside, but people seem to be so quick to judge. We're all living right now in our echo chambers. We hear what we'd like to hear, and we hear more of it, and it starts amplifying, and all of a sudden, we're hearing the extreme of, okay, I'm getting all this reinforcement. The reality is everybody else has an opinion, and they feel the same way, and their opinion is just as valid. So if we can walk in somebody else's shoes and not be so judgmental, we're getting the 30-second, the 60-second news bites. There's so much more behind the story. I hate to be judging jury for a 30-second news bite. And you hear people saying, oh, someone, someone was shot, someone did this, they're guilty. I know I wasn't on the jury. As a matter of fact, I know I wasn't there, and I know I was not involved, and I wasn't videotaping. And the clip I saw, it's pretty incriminating. That's pretty nasty. But is that the whole story? And usually, it's not. And so we need to be aware and understand and be sensitive to others. And that's why I say walking in their shoes is probably the inspirational thought. It says, okay, here's my student that's going through, they're expecting a baby and they've got home life problems and they have someone with COVID or someone with heart disease or kidney problems and they're taking care. All of a sudden, you get a different picture of why they were in class. You don't try to judge and say, oh, they weren't there because they, they don't like you. They weren't there because they don't want to learn. They weren't there because they're lazy. They weren't there because they were out the night before and stayed up too late. There's always going to be a reason or a background, and we all need to be more sensitive, I feel. And I shouldn't judge others like that either. I mean, people are who they are and what they are, but that's what I've developed. Hopefully I have a sensitivity and a more of a tolerance to that understanding. Yes. Wow. That's good advice for our show, but that's good advice for just the times we're living in right now. Thank you. That really has been good. That's been good. Well, I like to interview unique accountants for this show, and you may have just set the new bar for, for that. So this, is, <laughs> this has been a wonderful episode. Thank you. But before we close, give us the title of your new book one more time, because I do want to make sure our audience checks that out. Your Complete Guide to Succeeding with LinkedIn. And because it's new on Amazon, if you type in Dr. Scott Dell, it'll pop up on an Amazon search. But thank you for that. No problem. No problem. Well, thank you again for taking the time for this, Scott. It really was a fun discussion. I enjoyed it as well. Thank you. And I wish you much success. 
Well, like I said, this definitely was a unique interview. That was Dr. Scott Dell with Francis Marion University in South Carolina. And, you know, there's always many things that I take away from each interview, but I think the biggest one from this interview was just how entrepreneurial Scott is. I mean, he is a gifted educator, I'm sure. He obviously has the accounting background that we look for on this show, but people talk about thinking outside the box and thinking creatively, and he's definitely done that throughout his career. You can see it in all his business endeavors, and it's just really intriguing. You can tell he's enjoyed his professional life, and now he's continuing to give back in terms of working with students. I really enjoyed interviewing Scott, and I'm sure you enjoyed experiencing that as well. He really is a unique individual. This was really fun. I'm glad he made time for it. Well, thank you again for joining us. This has been Where Accountants Go, the Accounting Careers Podcast. I know I say this often, but please, if you enjoy the show, leave us a rating in your podcast app. We appreciate each and every rating we get. And if there's anything I can do for you personally, please reach out to me on LinkedIn or, of course, shoot me an email, whatever's easier for you. Thank you very much for joining us. And as I always say, we'll see you next week. There's more to come. Oh,